0: Welcome to the Miss Moto podcast. Our goal is to share our journey of answering the question, can she ride? We're starting from scratch, learning about our bikes, all that's needed in the pits, and the technical skills to get faster on the track. We thought it would be fun to document our adventure, and we hope it's entertaining to you too. All right, I'm excited to have AJ Jacobson on the podcast. It's not a coincidence she's Our first interview, I was fortunate enough to get to pit with AJ most of last season uh, at CMRA events, and I thought she would be just perfect uh, for really giving us an introduction uh, to racing and why we do it. So AJ, thanks so much for joining me. I got to ask, first of all, why do you race?
1: (laughs) Why do I race? Well, I race because it makes the rest of life boring.
0: Oh, I love Uh, that.
1: (laughs) It really is my passion. Um, I came to it later in life, but for me, I went through life and lots of things I enjoyed doing, but none of them were really a passion where I was willing to give up everything else to single-mindedly pursue that hobby or whatever you want to call it. Um, It feels like way more than a hobby to me. And when I started racing, that was the first time in my life where I was willing to sacrifice and give up a lot of other things in my life in order to single-mindedly pursue it. So it really did, for me, become a passion.
0: So you mentioned that you came to it later. Can you tell us a little bit about how you discovered it and and how you realized, like you said, it was something you were willing to, to get passionate about?
1: Sure. So. I did not grow up on bikes. My mom had no intention of letting me near anything that resembled a motorcycle. Um, So I grew up on horses instead and got married in my 20s. And one day my now ex came home and was like, I've been saving up my money. I'm going to go buy a motorcycle. And I was like, dude, I've always wanted a bike. If you are, I am. So we went through the MSF together. Um, it probably should have been a sign. I was going through the class, never been on any kind of motorcycle. And I was dragging pegs through the circle exercises, <laughs> told I didn't need to go that fast. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. So then uh, moved out to California, started riding street and lots of miles on the street, but track days were definitely more of a thing out there. Lots of people rode track. It was really easy to get access to track days. Um, And so I was in a riding club and one of the gals donated a free pass that the club voted on who was going to get it. And I ended up winning a free pass to a track day. Um, Had a blast. I was on my 05 zx10r at the time um didn't do any more of that year but the next year i went out and i was like i want to do more of these track day things like that was a lot of fun and by the end of my second track day i realized i wanted to race um i certainly wasn't ready yet but i knew that just doing track days and just turning laps wasn't going to be enough for me i wanted to eventually pit myself against other riders so that was 2012, um, the end of that track season. I got my race license through um, Zoom Zoom Track Days, who was, I was riding with mostly at that point. And um, yeah, I got my race license at the end of that year. And the next couple of years, personally, I just didn't have much money, so I wasn't really out a whole lot. But then in 2015, I was a little better place financially, and so I did my first full race season as a novice with the AFM, um, American Federation of Motorcyclists, one of the oldest racing clubs in the U.S., and then after that, it was kind of pretty much history. I was kind of slow in 2015, back of the pack. By the end of the year, I was, like, sneaking up to the middle of the pack. Um, 2016. I was still on my um, 2007 Triumph Daytona, Um, started out the year in front of the back of the pack in the novice group, Um, started working with Ken Hill, and dropped a significant amount of time, started getting way faster, refining my riding skills a lot on a bike that was not great for going fast on. It was easy to go quick on, hard to go fast on. And by the end of 2016, I was getting legitimately fast for the bike I was on um, without doing some major upgrades to the bike and and making it not stock legal anyways. So I decided to go buy my dream bike, um, the bike I'd wanted to race right along, but didn't feel like I was ready for for a long time. So I went and bought a brand new 2017 ZX-10R uh, picked it up from the dealership, put one mile on it, dropped it off at the shop to turn it into a race bike. And then the next day went dirt biking and severely broke my leg.
0: <laughs> yes, I've seen those, those artifacts at your, at your house. That was a, that was a a, a pretty nasty, um, pretty nasty injury. So Let's pause and and park on something that that I get asked a lot And, and we've never talked about this directly, but I've often, often wondered, do you ever get scared? Do you ever feel fear?
1: Oh yes, definitely. Um, so on the bike, the fear tends to come out more as an unwillingness to get outside my comfort zone. So I have what I'm comfortable with. I have what I'm confident with. And I think a lot of it, it, it depends on the person. I, I see it more frequently in women. Um, not that guys are immune to it, but it's, it's more common in women. Um, where our confidence in our bike and our abilities really affects how hard we're willing to push things. Um, You know, if we're not feeling confident and comfortable, we're just not gonna push past. And quite often that can lead us to a plateau, especially if we're not sure what the issue is. Um, And so after my leg and and getting on the big bike, which was completely different, I had no idea what I was in for. um, I was dealing with a lot of mansplaining Back, lack of a better term, <laughs> and um, at the time, I really, like, I love Ken Hill's coaching. He's very technical. Um, he knows what you're doing and why you're doing it, um, but at that point in time, I was going slower than I had been on my little bike, and so I knew I had the technical skills to go much faster than I was. Um, I was just I was scared. I was scared of the bike. I was scared of my leg. I was scared of, you know, a, a variety of things. So I ended up working with a, another coach for a couple of years who was much better at dealing with the six inches between the ears, as I call it. Um, and he was very, one of his big mantras was to trust the process. You know, trust what you're doing. You know how to ride, you know, just focus on doing the right things at the right time and eventually everything else will come together so and i think that was actually go ahead i'm sorry oh i was gonna say i think that was really a,
0: a big key point for keeping that focus so when would you use that mantra can you can you think of instances where you would you would moments or or typical times when you would feel that and you would repeat that mantra or you would repeat something else to yourself to to get through it all the time actually um, I had it written on most of my
1: notes for most weekends. Um, I tend to keep a notebook, so I, I write down you know either my thoughts or you know track conditions or bike setup or whatever um, a, a plan of action for the weekend, if you will, and i Come in after each session and write down notes and that was a constant repeat on my notes and um, even between races or track days when I'd kind of start getting down on myself for going slower um I mean let's face it, we're out there to beat other people, and if we're going slower than ourselves, you know we're not even beating ourselves at that point it's It's hard not to get down on yourself so that was kind of the thing that kind of kept me at it and kept me going and kept me um, struggling through it uh, for actually it was the better part of three years before um, things started to get back to where I felt like I'd actually left off.
0: so So it was a long, yeah. It was a long journey. you'll say back to where you were before, before the injury to even just get back level.
1: Yes. Yeah, it was
0: because that was the end of
1: 2016, and it wasn't until the end of this or this last year, and especially towards the very end of this last year, where I really started to feel like I was back to where I had been. Um, And a lot of it's mental, Um, a lot of it was bike setup, Um, you know, getting a bike that I was comfortable
0: riding. It's the same bike, but setup makes a big difference. So I agree that there's huge metaphors between racing and life, but I, so I want to frame this a little bit. You had one or two um, quite successful race seasons, and then you're headed into, you know, you've got the the dream bike, you're headed into what you think is going to be, you know, uh, a really pinnacle season for you. And then you have a, a pretty nasty injury that not only do you have to heal physically but also mentally and it takes you three years so it takes you almost longer than you'd been racing to begin with to recover Mm -hmm. and and get back to to where you were and some folks might hear that and say you know why in the world did you stick with it why didn't you just quit did you ever think about that You know, the thought crossed my mind. Um, They say the average lifespan
1: of a club racer is about three years. And you got to figure some people have been doing it for 20 plus years. So there's, you know, skewing those numbers off. And I think it's very common for both men and women to, you know, you have something bad happen or, you know, a mechanical on your bike that gets you scared of, of what can happen. And it, it slows you down. And a lot of people will quit because it's not cheap. It's an expensive hobby. It's a dangerous hobby. And for me, it was, there still was that passion there. And I still knew it was in me. Um, And I was just willing to take the time and let myself work through it. Um, Not that some days weren't rougher than others I mean you know I don't want to make it sound like each day it was like woohoo let's go that certainly wasn't always the case more often than not it wasn't but some determination and just that really deep down belief that I know I had it had it in me to do to do that and I know I have it in me to do what I want to do um, and just not giving up on that regardless of it taking some time.
0: Love it. And I'm so glad you didn't, because if nothing else, I think you've certainly contributed um, to my racing journey. Um, and for me, racing has become, and, and all that, you know, racing is a little bit about what's on the track, maybe a half or a third, um, and and almost two thirds what you do off the track. Um, and yeah. Maybe we can talk about a, a little bit about that more. Um, but for me it dramatically increases my ability to navigate stress outside of the racetrack. So um for one thing, it it after a race weekend, um, I kind of have a, a reset, a physical and mental reset where I feel completely refreshed. I, I hear other people talk about meditation retreats and and things like that, and <laughs> how they feel afterwards. And, and for me, that's a lot like a race, a race weekend, and and the sustained stress that that I've been involved with after the hurricane um, that was somewhat unexpected. Mm-hmm. I, I needed something um, to help me get through it, and, and racing has become that that tool. And so I've begun to think that you know, choosing adventure. Um, choosing something that maybe has some calculated risk to it could actually be a a healthy life choice, let's just say for women, but for anybody to deal with this world that's increasingly complex, increasingly stressful. Do you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I would agree completely. I think it's really important for, um, you know, women, women especially, uh, to embrace that side of ourselves. And for one one person, it might just be, you know, going out for a run or going going and doing some CrossFit. For someone else, it might be racing motorcycles. Uh, Maybe it's flying or skydiving or, um, you know, going hiking out on backpacking trips or whatever, traveling the world, whatever your adventure of choice is. I think it's really important for women, especially to be open to embracing that and not falling trapped to this idea of, I'm too old, I'm too set my ways. Um, What I see, especially with um, women as they age, the ones who are willing to Buck that system a little bit, seem much happier, they're healthier, they tend to, you know, go down swinging when the time finally does come, and they just seem a lot more fulfilled and happier than women who fall into the trap of just going through their routines and their days and they don't step up their mental and physical side of things. And I think that really
0: slows us down um, if we don't focus on those things. Right. And so for me, racing gives me um, structure, for lack of a better word. You know, you, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have, at least in, in CMRA and I suspect um, in other in other leagues, you know, a, a race a month, which is a, a a pretty good rhythm, it seems like. Yeah. Um, and so that gives you time, like you say, if you've got a mechanical issue, you know, you've got a, roughly a month in between to, to get that sorted out or to, to make an improvement. And then the, the physical side of things, you know, for me, I think for me going fast, and, and you shared this with me too, um, getting stronger off the bike is probably what's going to help me get faster. And so you've even helped me with some, some, some specific workouts to, to recover from um, a relatively minor shoulder injury, but something that, that set me back a little bit. Um, so does, does racing provide that for you too? kind of a, a rhythm to organize what I just call my, my personal development, my personal health, it gives me a cadence to follow that seems to be helpful.
1: Yeah, there's, there's that. And it's, It would be, you know, a lot of people talk about motivation, um, and especially in like the fitness community or, you know, just women in general, like motivation is fleeting, right? You have to have a reason. And for me, racing is a reason that provides motivation. Um, you know, so it's, there are definitely days it sucks to get up and you just have to, as I like to say, embrace the suck and get up and do it anyways. Um, And for me, racing is that, that motivation to get up and do it. Um, something like just staying fit would be way too general. And if my bed is nice and warm and I'm tired, I'm not going to get out of it just to stay fit. Um, (laughs) so I think the adventure provides that reason to build that structure into your life, if you will. Um, you know, it it gets you up, it makes you do things, and I enjoy working on my bike. I find it therapeutic to just be down in the garage working on on my machines, and, um, you know, otherwise, what would I be doing with my weekend? I'd probably be sitting on the couch Netflix binging or something, so, (laughs) Um, and I, you know, I see that with other people, you know, if they're into traveling and stuff, they're a lot more likely to to get out and go explore even their local area if, if they're not traveling that at that time. Or um, some people prefer more of a social thing. So, some, you know, I have a few friends who are into the CrossFit thing, and for them, it's as much the social aspect as it is the the workouts. They they build their family there, um, which we definitely have at the track too. It's definitely family. Um, so, it it provides me, for me, it's motivation to build the structure, if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, it is for me as well. Um, and, and I'll say I'd been interested in bikes. Uh, I visited China in maybe 2008 and um, some other Southeast Asian countries, in the years after that and and just everybody was on motorcycles and I just thought it was the neatest thing ever. Um, but you know, kind of came from a family where, um, like you say, it just, it it wasn't even a consideration and then approached 40, uh, for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. and, And my daughter growing up as well, I really just decided I was going to pursue, something I was interested in, you know, not that I did, not that I didn't respect other people's opinions, but i sort of felt like I'd met, uh, I'd met my commitments to other folks and it was okay for me to live, live for myself uh, for a, for a little while. And and I may even get my grandmother on the, on the podcast. I would say she, she doesn't quite endorse my racing, uh, but she doesn't object to it, object to it either. So let's talk about, you know, somebody, let's say uh, they're a woman, they're, you know, at least late 20s, early 30s, or or maybe even like us, you know, uh, a little bit beyond beyond that, Um, maybe they don't even feel absolutely physically fit, and maybe they've never even been on a motorcycle. Do you still think this sport could be accessible to them? Oh, most definitely. I think the
1: trick for a lot of women is to find a good coach or coaches um, and to be willing to take your time, Um, especially as you're, you know, the, the older you are when you start in this sport, it's, you know, things like muscle memory and just motor skills take longer to develop than if we had started younger. That's just a scientific fact. But that doesn't mean they can't be developed. It's just going to be slower than, you know, the teenager or the early 20s person, just because of how our human brains work. But it's definitely accessible. I've seen plenty of women who are, even have, a couple decades on us, who were able to go out there and get into this sport and participate and win some trophies and. You know, it's, it's, I think the coaching for women especially is one of the more difficult aspects, which is why I've continued to coach um, just because I do see, there's some great coaching out there. There's some great coaches out there, but they tend to be very male focused in their presentation and how they um, teach things so one of the things that I've found a lot of women run into is their boyfriend or their husband or their coach or whoever um, tries to tell them how to ride like they ride and that doesn't generally work for us especially if we're a little older and um, you know, we're just somebody who's just learning at an older age. Um, I would highly recommend trying to find either another woman or a school um, where it's more professional teachers and coaches um, to get started. And, you know, seek out those, those women who do inspire you or who are doing what you want to do and and talk to them and and get them to be candid with you as far as what they do. I think a lot of women tend to gloss over the differences between women and men in this sport, whether it's just getting started on the street or whether it's racing at the top end, there are differences. Um, You know, we, are different than males and that's just a physical fact and i think it's important for women to encourage other women and to be honest about these differences and not just pretend like it's the
0: same because we're on a bike it's really not (laughs) i love it And, and i think that's what you did for me this year if if i can say that you you really, and we didn't talk about it directly all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably haven't talked really uh, much until after race race season. I think I, I got to know you personally after that, but I watched how you really owned your own experience, you know. And and for me, that was something a little bit different. Like you say, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of support from men. There's a lot of support from men at the at the mm-hmm. racetrack. I would say. Um, they are completely encouraging of, of women riders, and everybody wants to offer you advice, which is, I think, <laughs> offered very well, you know, very well-intentioned, um, yeah. and, and so not that there's anything wrong with that, but it can be overwhelming. It can It can kind of cause us to question ourselves, and I watched you really own your own your experience and own your journey and and sort of be proactive in in mapping that out and and I somewhat learned to do the same and then after my first spill Mm -hmm. which wasn't wasn't horrible you know but but it it was it, it was enough to ding me up a little bit take me out of out of commission for for six weeks or so and then really teach me um that I had to I couldn't, I couldn't um, delegate, you know, my my <laughs> journey to to this this um, g- group of of well-meaning uh, folks. I had to really own uh, what was going on between my ears, um, and and what I did, you know, immediately before and after I raced, and and all those sorts of things. Um, but I, I do want to say thank you. I don't know that that. <laughs> You know that that I would have bounced back um, as as quickly as I did. We'll get Chandra on the on the podcast as well. But your reaction and and Chandra's reaction right after I wrecked. You know, you guys got me back out there literally three or four hours later. Um, and and just mentally, that is such a powerful such a powerful thing and, and something I've mm-hmm. carried um, into other experiences in life. You know that that getting back up quickly, even if it's ugly um, mindset. So I know we'll talk, uh, plenty more. I, I could, I, we could go on forever. I think with this, I'm so excited to get to, to, um, pull this, pull this out of you. Cause I think it can be so helpful. <laughs> um, I've had so many conversations with other women that say, man, I'd, I'd love to do something like that, but I just, I don't even know how to get started. So I think the, you know, if we just tell folks how to take those first couple, steps. So in almost any city in the US, there's going to be that initial class that you, you yes. mentioned, that uh, motorcycle safety class. So would you say for someone that, that doesn't know anything about bikes and maybe hasn't met anyone, that that could be a reasonable first step?
1: I think that's a great first step regardless.
0: Um, if nothing
1: else, even if you grew up on dirt bikes and everything else, Going through the class, you know, the instructors there, they go through pretty extensive training. I, I went through the training to teach an MSF. And they, if nothing else, are going to bring up things that you maybe wouldn't think about if you never rode a motorcycle on a street. Um, you know, things from traction to what wet paint does under your tires, you know, those lines and the arrows and everything on the street. You know the cars and things that you have to pay more attention to on a bike, um, and the the basic skills that they go over apply to MotoGP riders. Um, you know, you sit there in the MSF and you do you learn the little friction zone on the clutch, and you sit there and roll back and forth. Well, that's how you start a race. It's all about that friction zone and the clutch. Um, that's how you get a good race start, and those basics apply. Throughout your riding career. So I think it's good to start with a solid foundation, regardless of your experience. And if you have no experience. That's the best place to go because you're using their bikes that you don't have to worry about fixing Um, (laughs) And they're, they're generally small bikes that are easy to manage and they're going to give you some basic skills to get started. I think the biggest weakness of the class, in my opinion, is that it doesn't go far enough to have you street ready. Um, I feel like most people need more practice than
0: the class provides before they head out on the street. But that's my opinion. So Agreed. Agreed. And, and I think a lot of places all, you know, like a 201 more individualized yeah. coaching after that, that again, sometimes they'll even let you continue on their bikes so that you can get mm-hmm. a, a, a fair amount of experience before you even make that initial, purchase. So you mentioned, yeah. and I would agree, it's not the, the cheapest sport ever. Um, so there, there is a, a financial commitment to it, but it does, doesn't all have to happen right away. You can get started no. and take some of those initial steps, you know, for a few hundred dollars. Wouldn't you say? Right. Oh yeah, definitely.
1: The MSF is generally, yeah, just a couple few hundred bucks, depending upon where you are or what class you're taking. Um, There are some classes that are a little bit longer, you know, they maybe span over like four weekends or something Um, that might cost a little bit more, but obviously you would get more seat time. And even going to the level of racing, you know, you're gonna start out doing track days and you're gonna build up your supply of stuff. You're not gonna need to go buy everything all at once. Um, You know, you you get it over time, so.
0: Love it. All right. So I know we're going to talk more. I hope that's okay. I think we may even do maybe a, a, a monthly episode if you're up for it, <laughs> but for the in-between yeah. um, for anybody that that's enjoyed this as much as I have, where can folks find you online uh, if they, if they want to connect with you and, and learn even more about you? So I'm have a
1: blog. It's, um, And of course, on Facebook, it's just AJ Jacobson. Otherwise, we also have a racing page that's public called Velocity Racing. So if you look that up at all, um, we have that. Uh, Instagram at 302 Honey Badger. I am the Honey Badger. So everything is Honey Badger. (laughs) Um, And then my blog is uh, honeybadger302.blogspot.com.
0: So anybody can find me an any of those mediums. All right. And in terms of your plans this racing, racing season, are you still hanging with us in in CMRA most?
1: That's the plan at the moment. Um, I'll be doing some club, I'll be doing a club season. um, And then I'll also be taking the plunge into Moto America and I'm gonna towards the end of the season at Laguna, and Barbara for sure. And perhaps another one in there. I'm um, going to go dip my toes in with the big boys and see what we do.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. I've still got it on my, uh, on my calendar. So I'm hoping to, to be there with you for that. Um, again, for folks listening, we'll catch up even more often, but go connect with AJ, check out her awesome pictures and story and we'll have updates. Uh, on our journey through CMRA this season. Thanks so much, AJ, this has been awesome. I really appreciate your time. Great Great chatting with you, Kendra. Thanks so much for listening to the Miss Moto Podcast. We hope you're feeling inspired to join us at the track or choose your own adventure. To subscribe, sign up for our email newsletter at msmoto.co. We'll send you a message each Wednesday when we release a new episode. Go fast and have fun.